Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling brought to you today and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a little bit more information about Meowbox and a special promotion just for the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Mr. Primetime, John Paz. And John, today on the show, we're joined by, I would say, uh, a guest of special proportions, and that is the one and only Zach Gowan. And the reason I say special is because we get a little bit of a run-in from his tag team partner, Mr. Gregory Iron, which is really cool, and we will get to that very, very soon. But, John, I'm going to welcome you in right away because this is another great interview where we get a lot of stuff covered. And, John, when you talk about Zach Gowan, it's hard to not mention how special he really is to the wrestling business. He's overcome a lot of adversity, but especially some of the, the pitfalls of life that have unfortunately fallen in his direction. But the athlete that he is truly is very special, and it's something that we dive very deep into right out of the gate. Yes, chatty boy, back again, and this one was just another really, really fun one that we had here at the two-man power trip of wrestling. And Zach Gowan, I mean, what can you really say about Zach? He's had a lot of ups and downs, obviously, in his whole life and even in his wrestling career, but you think about him, he is such a special guy talking to him and how positive he is, and he's such a special performer when you really think about it, obviously, there's not a, you know not a lot of one-legged superstars out there, and to be the absolute first one, and them you know then there to be more to follow him is just absolutely you know amazing, and a total testament to a guy that just you know had something handed to him in life, and he didn't take it. You know he didn't get to you know uh, he didn't get down about it. He didn't quit about it. He you know did the exact opposite and stayed you know to a point you know in his life. Obviously, we'll talk about the downs a little bit, but. You know, he obviously took it to the point where, you know, I wanted to be a pro wrestler my whole life. I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, and then that's what he did. And 
you know, to only have one leg and be able to do that and be able to say that is just amazing because obviously there's some you know, more than uh, capable guys out there that have had a lot less things happen to them that just give up and don't become half the superstar or half the guy that Zach Gowan became. And he just, you think about it, boom, big-time run in WWE, kind of almost right off the bat in his career. And, and that, in, you know, within itself, is just absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, not a lot of people can say that. The guys he feuded with and the, the names that he was, you know, with, it's just unbelievable, and, and Zach is just a special, special guy and a special performer, you know, in his own right. And everybody's heard the story about Johnny Ace looking for the one-legged wrestler and signing the incorrect one, and we talked to Zach about that, but I think the funny part that we really wanted to get into, and obviously when you think about Zach Gowan and you think about his time in the WWE, you got to think about the legends. you got to think about this guy being entrenched in the middle of one of the most legendary rivalries in WWE history, maybe wrestling history, because obviously the history with WCW, and that is the Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan feud from 2003. Actually, I mean, it's not confirmed it was Hulk Hogan because it was Mr. America, but... You know, you think about Zach Allen being involved with that, and it's got to be a dream come true. I know you and I would be shaking in our little boots there if we had to get forced into that role so fast, but Zach just took the ball and ran with it, and he turned that into such a good run there in 2003, from the middle of 2003 all the way through the end, and had some amazing matches just with opponents that you just scratch your head like, wow, this is so cool that this guy got to do that. But, John, what do you think about what Zach did? We use the word special throughout this show so far, and that could be one of the most special runs of all time. You know, we were talking about how it's uh, very, you know, amazing what he's able to do in the ring and how amazing he is that, you know, with all what was handed to him and everything that happened to his life, that he became a pro wrestler. He was in TNA, obviously, and obviously he had a great run in WWE, and obviously he's still wrestling today. But... Besides that, the most amazing part to me is that he's in WWE and he's feuding with childhood heroes of his. You know, quite frankly, uh, Chad, childhood heroes of ours. Hulk Hogan and the rowdy one, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. So it's just amazing that he's able to not only, you know, be wrestling and be in WWE, but then you take it one step further and he's in a huge angle and he's having a feud with basically Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's in there with Sean O'Hare. He's obviously, you know, being the quote-unquote fan or you know the manager, if you will, or in the corner of Hulk Hogan. So I mean, not a lot of guys uh, get to live their childhood hero, you know, the childhood fantasy out, but then get to team up with your childhood hero and face another childhood hero with you know the whole Hogan Piper feud that was going on there, and he was smack dab right in the middle of it. And then just to throw in there as well, big feud with Vince McMahon. Not too many uh, guys get to feud with Vince. Only the top guys, obviously. You know, Vince hasn't, hasn't had too many matches in his career, but obviously he faced all the top guys: the Austins of the world, the Shawn Michaels of the world, uh, Bret Hart, and, and uh, so on and so forth. But throws Zach Gallon in there in the mix as well, and he had a big time, uh, big feud with Vince. So uh, you know, put him another echelon above of what he's been able to do when you get in there with Vince McMahon, the chairman himself. And then of course he had his little mini feud there with uh, Brock Lesnar, um, which was highly entertaining and highly interesting. And he tells you, you know, straight up how it is, highly painful as well. So it was great to talk to him about you know his WWE run and that stuff is just great and obviously being able to have your first match and beat the Big Show a legend like the Big Show and 
you know, not a lot of people can say that because you think of Big Show himself. His first match, you know, he got to beat Hogan, and that's just amazing in and of itself. But then Zach Gowan, his first match, he's able to beat the Big Show. So it's just crazy, crazy stuff. And, you know, his whole career is just crazy to me. And, and it's just an amazing testament of a guy that just wouldn't give up and reached the pinnacle. And, you know, he did it with only one leg. So think about that and think about the inspiration that he truly is. It's an inspirational story, to say the least, what Zach is doing in the schools that he visits. It's very inspirational. It's very nice to see him giving back and sharing his story and giving people hope because if you can live out your dreams, you're doing something right with your life. And inspiration is the least we could say about Zach Gowan and his story. Yeah, I mean, I keep saying inspiration. You keep saying inspiration. There's no doubt about it. And he definitely has an inspirational message for us in this interview for sure and we do get a special little surprise from Gregory Irons which is great as well and he talks about Zach so that was really cool to be able to do it was uh, one of the first times I believe on the show that we were able to uh, you know actually tag in a uh, guest tag partner and have him uh, speak on the guest so that was really cool of Greg I uh, thank him for that and really great to get his thoughts on Zach Gowan but you think about the inspirational message of his I mean He's been, you know, had a tragedy in his life, obviously. I mean, he loses his leg at eight years old. He's fought in a lot of demons. Obviously, he's, you know, he wanted to become, you know, that one-legged superstar that he became. None of that stopped him. He still, you know, did everything he could. Then, like we talk about in the interview, maybe fame got to him a little bit. Maybe he got a little cocky, so on and so forth. And obviously, then he had to battle some addiction issues and uh, some drugs and alcohol dis- uh, issues that he had, some addictions. And then, you know, him to fight that as well and fight above, fight, you know, who could blame you? Let's just say you just become an addict. You know, you had one leg, you had cancer, you know, everything else that happened. No one would blame him if he just stayed a drug addict and, like, that was the end of it. Everyone would say, man, he had a tough life. But no, he fought through that, didn't give up then either, fought through the addiction. And now he's spreading his message all around the world of, uh, you know, drug-free life and everything else. And he's just being an inspiration of himself saying that, you know, he may have a handicap or he may have a disability, but he's still able to go out there and be a performer, so nothing ever should be able to hold you back and nothing should be able to hold you down because nothing has held him down or held him back his whole life. So just, you know, just you can't say it enough. It's just an inspirational message from Zach Gowan and, quite frankly, a fantastic interview. Without a doubt, and John, I must say, with this intro, you definitely have put your words out there, and they've been very impactful and very well said. So I commend you on that, and I hope everybody really enjoys this interview with Zach Gowan. And of course, as we do before we throw it over to the interview, we just want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Meowbox. And if you throw in the code POWERTRIP10 into the checkout box on meowbox.com, you're going to get 10% off your first monthly box subscription. Again, it's 10% off your first monthly box subscription by using the code POWERTRIP10. And we thank Meowbox and Meowbox.com for their generosity in being a part of the two-man power trip of Wrestling Family. And we also want to thank the TopRopePress.com radio network for bringing the two-man power trip of wrestling on board. And you can get exclusive best-ofs and some soon-to-be-released content, especially on TopRopePress.com. Ryan and the guys all over there, they're uh, very good at what they do, and we urge you to check them out. 
And John's going to give you a little bit more two-man power trip of wrestling business and tell you where you can find some other findings on the two-man power trip and also tell you a little bit more about Meowbox. Yes, Meowbox, baby. They are the best. They have a little service called One Box Can where every Meowbox purchase will get you a can of food donated to a shelter cat on your behalf. So that is excellent. Also remember, all edible items are made in the USA or Canada so you know where your edible items are coming from. Now, if you have a picky cat like mine, Lucy, who uh, has a bit of a special diet, you can replace your edible items with toys and surprises, which little Lucy absolutely loves, and that is great of Meowbox. So just remember, folks, that is Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. Again, Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. And now on to some TMPT business. Chad, as you previously mentioned, we are now part of the Top Rope Press family. That's right, Top Rope, excuse me, TopRopePress.com and the Top Rope Press Radio Network. We're a part of them and we're giving exclusive best ofs every week on there. So please check us out there and please check out Top Rope Press dot com for all your wrestling needs because they're the best in the business today also some more tmpt business like us on facebook follow us on twitter at wrestling pal and at two man power trip also subscribe to us on youtube you can also subscribe to us on itunes please leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback also while you're on itunes check out the feed for past great episodes with the late great american dream dusty Rhodes, harley race ricky the dragon steamboat sergeant slaughter tully blanchard stan the lariat hansen the blueprint matt morgan scotty riggs jerry lynn and so 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 many more so please check us out on itunes don't forget about the website tmptofwrestling.com that is tmptofwrestling.com and Speaking of another great sports network that we're associated with, check us out every week on the I-95 Sports Network. Google it up and check it out. That is the I-95 Sports Network. We're bringing best ofs and exclusives to them as well. So please check us out on there. Always some good stuff. Now, if you're interested in booking Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. Just remember one thing, he's back out of exile and if you can check out the pictures of his transformation because he is looking huge he's back and he's in great shape and he wants to bring the bike club to a town near you so email us for all that booking information on the big man and while you're at it go check out the kevin thorne page on pro wrestling tees they're making the greatest t-shirts in the history of the wrestling business so please go to prowrestlingtees.com for all your kevin thorne t-shirts and you, too, can be a member of the Bike Club. And now, without any further ado, the first one-legged superstar in the history of the wrestling business. A man that has held gold all around this world. A current tag team champion in quite a few different organizations. He is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the inspirational superstar himself. One of the handicap heroes, Zach Gowan. Please enjoy. Nobody's gonna stand in my way. Very special human being. He's pro wrestling's first one leg superstar, of course. 
He's an inspirational and rookie of the year. He's a former WWE superstar, and he's also the man behind the Finding Zach Gowan DVD, and we're about to learn all about that. Zach Gowan, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, thanks for the interest. Nice to be here. Nice to speak with you guys. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're so happy to have you because I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, you're you're finding Zach Allen DVD. It's, uh, it looks very interesting, i got to say that. And, of course, you know, Joe Dombrowski is no stranger to the two-man power trip of wrestling, uh, having been on the show a couple of times. But tell oh, us my, about... Uh, my apologies. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, tell us about the DVD. Uh, tell us how it came about. And, of course, you know, Joe's got such a great mind. And every time he's been on the show, he's spoken so highly of you and your work. So please, tell us about the DVD and putting it all together. Uh, thanks, man. That, it was really um, it was really Joe Dombrowski's idea to kind of share my story. Uh, he's been a close friend for a long time, and, and uh, he thought it would be worth investing in and, and kind of exploring and, and filming uh, not only my wrestling story, but my life story. And I think one can make an argument that my life outside of wrestling has been far more interesting than my life inside the ropes, uh, which is uh, which is a great story in and of itself. But, uh, but yeah, so so the, the whole purpose of my existence, I believe, is to uh, share my story and be of use to other people and uh, motivate and inspire other people. And I do that through various platforms, whether that's a professional wrestling ring, finding Zach Gowan DVD, uh, or on stage speaking to kids at schools all around the country. Uh, it's some variation of me sharing my story, you know, and uh, and I hope that people find hope and, and they find the uh, motivation and inspiration within that. Oh yeah, totally. And it seems like it's a very good outlet, of course, to get your story on film these days because you're not just getting it in front of you know your niche audience anymore of just wrestling fans. It's the whole world that gets to see it. And obviously, you know, your wrestling fans though are going to know a lot of the struggles behind the story, but, you know, you just mentioned something that kind of catched my attention, and that is speaking and going on the road and talking to, you know, schools and kids. What's the perception that you get from the kids that see you? And they think, when they think of professional wrestling, they think of, you know, big, and I'm, you know, don't want to get into it yet, but hulking individuals, uh, you know, larger-than-life characters, they see you who could be just somebody they know on the street every day, but you have such a unique ability and bring so much to the wrestling ring. Like, what do you, what do you get out of talking to kids? Is that something that is like really high on your list when it goes to those schools and uh, visiting them? Oh yeah, man, talking to kids and uh, making a connection with with young with young people is the most gratifying thing I've ever done. I've, I've been a professional wrestler for 14 years, um, and and like you said, the wrestling fans know my story. And I think there's uh, there's still a lot to explore in my career as far as a in-ring performer. Um, but to have a completely blank slate and talk to these kids who have no idea who I am, and, you know, I walk on stage, and immediately I think they start to feel sorry for me because they see my leg, and they think, oh, great, what's this guy going to talk about, you know? Uh, and then I start talking about wrestling John Cena and being in the ring with the big show and doing all this stuff. And, of course, their attention just because they, they just get so attracted to, uh, to what I'm talking about that I can open up that connection. And once that connection is made, I can hit them with a positive message and something that can, that can be lasting. You know, uh, I know when I was in high school, if a former WWE wrestler came and talked to me, uh, I would be over the moon and ecstatic about it, and I would have to listen to what they what they say. 
Uh, and that's been my experience as a speaker, too. And it's great because I haven't been on TV in America in a long time. So I'm walking in on stage virtually unknown to these kids. Um, and I can kind of paint that picture how I want to. So there's a certain amount of freedom uh, and creativity that that I can kind of uh, jump into. And uh, for me, it's super, super gratifying and satisfying because not only am I, you know, making a living um, and traveling and meeting new people, but I'm also I also feel like I'm making a difference too. Uh, and it's really, it's, I, I really live a, a life beyond my wildest dreams. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's really incredible, and your whole story is incredible. And, you know, one thing that's really cool is, of course, you know, when you were on TV with WWE, you know, they did they did do their part in getting your story out there to a point, you know, and working it into their world and how they wanted to kind of, you know, spin it for television. But, you know, you put together a DVD, and obviously we've, you know, already established that Joe and you have been very good friends. But what did you want to bring differently to the table? Rather than, you know, we heard, you know, we know some of the stories, as you said, wrestling fans know – but what is it about, like, give me one thing on the DVD that we're going to find out that you really wanted to just tell in this DVD and get, like, the narrative based on, you know, a certain direction of where your life has gone. Sure. I really wanted to dive into the, uh, the horrors of drug addiction um, and alcoholism. And I wanted to explore and share uh, my side of the story and where I was, how far down I fell. Um, because... Uh, like I said, my whole purpose of existence is to help other people. Uh, and we all know, whether whether we're struggling ourselves uh, with drug addiction or alcoholism, uh, we all know at least one person, either a family or a friend, that struggles with And it's one of the most um, misconceived diseases and disorders out there. Uh, and it's hard to treat and it's hard to approach. And it usually ends up pretty disastrous, you know. Um, and so I wanted to share my story of success in hopes of planting some seeds of inspiration to anyone out there who's struggling uh, or knows someone who's struggling or, or who's living in the pain now. Uh, I wanted to let people know that there's a way out. Uh, and if I can do it, then anybody can do it. Now, that is great, and it's a great message with the DVD. But obviously, you know, something led you to that path and something, you know, happened in your life to create you know, somewhat of a drug addiction or, you know, maybe an alcohol addiction. But, you know, how did you get to that point? Was it too much too soon, you think, from being, you know, going from nothing and then all of a sudden you're a huge star on TV? Well, yeah, I think that that certainly had something to do with it. I, but at the same time, it, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a composite of all of my experiences since the day I was born. Um, and, I mean, we can go about the how or the why, you know, how much was it? Uh, how much of it was the genetic component? You know, with my dad and all of his brothers and sisters being alcoholics, her father. Uh, how much of it was trauma in my childhood? You know, considering my dad took off cancer and losing my leg and all that, and never quite uh, feeling like I fit in. How much was you know because there was a trauma as I suffered at 20 years old being uh, <laughs> thrust to the spotlight, you know, on, on SmackDown, and then having that taken away from you too, that's a traumatic event as well. Uh, so I think, I think it's a little bit of everything kind of mixed up into, into one, and I don't think there's one specific cause or reason, um, but there can't be any treatment or recovery until there's a, a complete and full acceptance of the situation. And once I accepted the fact that uh, on my own willpower, I couldn't beat this thing, 
this monster of drug addiction. Um, and I reached out for help, and I had just a sliver of humility um, in asking for help. Uh, then I was able to, to kind of receive it. But but in terms of, of the why, it really doesn't matter because uh, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the past. It's not going to change who I am now. Uh, all I can do now is do the next right thing, uh, live one day at a time, and try to be of service to other people. And it's great, like your story is unbelievable because no one would ever fault you if you know if you, you know, remain an addict because of all the trauma of when you were a kid. Obviously, the family issues, your leg, and then you know maybe even being pushed in the spotlight too soon and being taken away. I mean, no one would ever take that away from you. But that even makes you even more inspirational to me because you know you could have you could have just said, oh, you know all those negatives and then took that down. But no, you're turning into a complete positive, and you uh, you know you're really making a statement. Absolutely, and the whole thing for me is I'm blessed because I don't have a choice, right? There's no middle-of-the-road solution. Either I'm sitting at home on the couch feeling absolutely, completely sorry for myself in a state of misery, um, and, and the only thought going through my head is why me, why me, why me, or uh, I'm out on the road sharing my story, wrestling with my buddy, um, speaking to kids, doing yoga, uh, being, uh, you know, sharing my story through fitness, uh, and and living and living a life beyond my wildest dreams. It, it's either one or the other, and 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 for me, I think that's a great thing because there's too many people in this world that just get by, um, and I'm not. I, I'm blessed to be able to not be one of those people who can just get by. I can't just get by. There's no middle of the road solution. Either I'm all in or I'm all out, um, and so that kind of narrows my options down. You know. People uh, people ask me about my leg every single day. They they say, you know, Zach, you know, what's up with your leg? What happened? Did you lose it in the war? You know, all this stuff. And and I say, no, I lost it to cancer when I was eight years old. And they say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And my response is, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sorry. If you saw the quality of my life, you wouldn't be sorry for me either. You know, and I can I can say that with a certain level of gratitude. Uh, because I know how bad it used to be, uh, and now looking back at, at that uh, uh, kind of dichotomy uh, makes me so grateful for where I am now. That's just unbelievable, and I love your positive attitude, and, and, you know, and I love you know your least on life there. I absolutely love it. But if I could rewind just a bit and almost go back to you know your being a fan, it's your childhood dream to be a professional wrestler. But how did you actually get into the wrestling business? I was trained by Truth Martini, who's uh, who's a big star right now for Ring of Honor, and uh, he runs the House of Truth Wrestling School, HOTWrestlingSchool.com in Detroit, Michigan. I was his first student, and uh, uh, he trained me in 2001, I believe, and that's my first match in 2002. Uh, he, he was a guy with an open mind. Uh, I could have gone to any wrestling school in the world, and the majority of them would have not let me into the wrestling ring because a one-legged wrestler at that time was so far outside of the box that no one really wanted to approach it. And I had, you know, I certainly had my fair share of difficulties in terms of convincing uh, people to book me and convincing guys to lose to me <laughs> and that sort of thing. Uh, but I. But if I went to any other wrestling school, I'm not sure that I, I would have even made it to that point. Um, but I found truth, you know, and there's really just kind of a serendipitous uh, event 
you know, coming into his life, his, his, you know, him coming into my life. Um, and uh, he trained me to be a professional wrestler when I was 18 years old. Now, with the truth, I mean, obviously, Truth uh, Martini, like you said, he's big in Ring of Honor right now. He's the manager of the ROH World Champion, Jay Lethal. He's also a TV champ. But with the truth, what was his training like? Was you know, is he like a like a disciplinarian? Is he a strict guy, or is he kind of you know a little bit more loose? Uh, his personality is really loose, but uh, in the wrestling ring, he's very, very, very serious because this is a very, very serious business. Um, and to be successful in this business, you have to take it seriously. Also, there's a certain element of danger uh, as to you know my pit for in the wrestling ring. Um, if you wanted to, when you pick me up for a body slam, if you wanted to, you could drive me on my head, snap my neck, and possibly kill me. Uh, and so there has to be a high level of trust between the two people, or three people, four people, whatever it is, within their wrestling ring. So there has to be an underlying seriousness. Um, you know, of course, there's lots of uh, levity, and there is uh, some funny moments or whatever. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, this is this is this could be life or death, um, and we're we're all in it because we have a love professional wrestling. We're all in it because we want to make our living being a professional wrestler. And so, uh, uh, so outside of the ring, we can be pals, buddies. But once we get inside the ring, it has to be treated uh, with a certain level of respect if you want to be successful and not taken as a joke within the industry. Definitely true, and you know it's funny. On the DVD, he mentions it, and he says to you, "You know, you're only a few months in, and he's training you." And he says to you, "You know, basically, WWE is going to come a calling." Did you believe him that you know that WWE had the interest there, and, or did you think he was crazy at that point? No, I thought he was smoking crack, man. <laughs> I, because to me, uh, I didn't become a wrestler so I could be a WWE superstar. That, that's not what motivated me to get into wrestling. I, I became a professional wrestler because I love professional wrestling, and I wanted to be in the ring with the best. I thought that I could make it to TNA uh, or Ring of Honor based on my athletic ability and my size. Uh, I thought... I didn't think having one leg was, was a hindrance. I thought my size was the can be like achieving giant, hulking WWE superstar status, you know. Uh, so that was never a thought or a goal of mine, but he, he, told, me, he told me early on, he goes, listen, man, uh, don't sign any contracts until WWE puts one in front of you, because they are going to be interested in the story. And uh, I thought he was crazy, but it didn't matter to me because I didn't get into wrestling to, to, to kind of, you know, be on TV and stuff. I got into wrestling because I wanted to wrestle Sabu. And I want to wrestle low key. I want to wrestle Christopher Daniels and those guys, you know. Um, and so that's really where my focus was. I wasn't really concerned about the extracurricular and the contracts. And of course, you know, before you ended up signing with WWE, of course, you did end up with TNA. How did TNA, you know, I, I believe you were a tenacious C at first. You weren't really Zach Allen, but how did TNA go about signing you? Well, not really signing you, but bringing you in. Well, they, they knew about me, I think, for Scott DeMore. Uh, Scott DeMore saw one of my first matches. And, uh, the, uh, he immediately called Terry Taylor, who was down in TNA, and he said, hey, you got to check out this guy with one leg, man. Um, 
But so I think they they heard about me, and it wasn't until I reached out to them that I got an opportunity down there. I just like every other wrestler, uh, I put I put together a tape of three matches and a promo and an eight by ten, and I sent that down to the national office uh, in hopes of getting a dark match. And I followed that up with a phone call, and uh, and I was told uh, that the wait was going to be about three or four months until I got a dark match. And uh, this is before they saw my tape, you know. And then they saw my tape and called me immediately, quite back, and asked me if I could come down the following week uh, because they they were they were intrigued, I should say, about my wrestling ability. And uh, so it, it happened really quickly, like that, where uh, I reached out to them, they saw what I was offering, and then they uh, they got me down right away. Now, did you go like meet with, uh, let's say, Jeff Jarrett, or, or who? You know, who's your point of contact down there? Uh, I believe it was Bill Barrett. I think Bill Barrett's running the dark matches at the time, and the all the pre-show stuff. And so I think all of my contact was through Bill Barrett. But I could be wrong because it was about 400 years ago. <laughs> It definitely was a long time ago. You know, I don't know if you remember this or not, but did you enjoy your time down there at TNA? I know it was albeit briefly, but did you like uh, TNA at that point? I loved TNA, man. It was, it, I've never wrestled in front of that big of a crowd before. I've never wrestled on a show with Raven and Jeff Jarrett, and Saturn was on one of those shows. Like, you got to understand, I, I was the biggest wrestling fan in the world growing up. To be on a show like that in front of, like, a 1,000 people, uh, which is incredible, you know, it was just, it was just an awesome experience. Um, I was down there for three weeks before I signed with WWE, and uh, I had a blast, man. I made some good friendships, and uh, nothing but great things to say about me. And then they wanted to sign me. Uh, they wanted to sign me right away after, after my first appearance. Uh, but like Truth said, Truth told me not to sign anything until WWE signs me. And I thought I was committing career suicide at that point. Um, but I wouldn't commit career suicide until a few years later. <laughs> uh, but at that point, you know, I, I just kind of put my trust in truth, and, and uh, sure enough, WWE called a few months later. I was going to ask you. You actually answered my question. I was going to say, did you, you know, you heed uh, truth's advice? But obviously, you did. So, who from WWE contacted you about bringing you in for, uh, you know, for a contract? Uh, Johnny Ace was the guy. And, uh, he called me up. Called me at my house phone. Uh, my mom's house phone, I should say, and uh, and I answered, and he said that they were interested in my story, and I would fit into the WWE family, and if I was interested in, in becoming a WWE superstar, uh, and then we talked like numbers and stuff, like in terms of downside and contracts and pay per view buys and bonuses and house shows and, and all this stuff, man, and I was completely blown away. I, it, felt, it felt surreal. I wanted to pinch myself, you know. Um, and, uh, and so I, I agreed I agreed verbally to, to what they offered. Then I called Jeff Jarrett. I told, I told Jeff that I was signing with uh, WWE. I don't think he was very pleased with that, but he understood, you know, business to business. Uh, and at the time, that, uh, TNA could match what WWE was going to pay or what they were offering, you know. And uh, so I had to make the uh, decision uh, based on what was best for me and my family. 
Of course. I mean, basically, you have to make that move depending on, obviously, the contract and, and where you want to go. And, obviously, feeding your family and taking care of your family. Right. you got to understand, TNA was, was in its infancy at this point. I, I don't think it was a year old. Um, and so they didn't have the money behind it and the exposure behind it that WWE was on, you know. And uh, so selfishly, I took a WWE contract. But looking back, there was also a great decision, too, because it, they offered a lot of exposure for my story. And uh, I impacted for my story. Uh, and their telling of my story impacted a lot of people, too. And that's cool to see the residual effect even now, you know, so many years later, man. It's like I get to relive it all, all the time uh, from people who come up to band shows or uh, wrestlers themselves who said, you know what, growing up, and I was super moved by uh, by your presentation. And, uh, you know, thank you, uh, which is always the basic, basic thing here. You know, and it really, uh, really puts you in perspective. Absolutely, and obviously you're in WWE. Did you ever end up going down to developmental at any point? Uh, yeah, I did. I think halfway into my run in WWE, I offered to go down to Louisville. OVW was the developmental at the time, and uh, I was getting a ton of heat in the locker room, and I wasn't very well liked, and, um, and the office was kind of uh, getting sick of my shenanigans, so to speak. It's so, so I uh, I thought it would be a good idea to offer, you know, to diffuse a lot of the heat to move down to Louisville and uh, train, you know, within the within the company. I thought that would be that would, that would flip good on my part, um, which I had the right idea. The problem was the impl- implementation of that idea. I didn't really follow through with it. Um, so while I did move down to Louisville, I rarely showed up for practice. <laughs> so I moved down to, like, diffuse a lot of the heat. And then uh, once I got there, I just added on to the heat. <laughs> so <laughs> I made a I, – there, there was a few missteps, so to speak, along the way. But, uh, but yeah, so I was down there for maybe a month or two uh, in the developmental league. But, uh, but as far as, like, my TV uh, debut and my wrestling and all that stuff, I did, I had zero developmental training before that. I literally went from my uh, my mom's house to Piper's Pit with Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan and Mr. Man. Um, yeah, it happened like that. Pretty crazy if you think about your debut. I mean, you're you're in the crowd. They have you playing as a fan. Like, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the supposed fan, and uh, you're going to be just pushed into an angle right away with. You know, two of the biggest stars of all time, and Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper, and then even Vince McMahon is involved with the angle. So, you know, basically three of the biggest names you could ever possibly throw out there. What was your thought on that? Was right. it almost surreal that you're going to be in there with those guys? Yeah, there wasn't much thought for me behind it. I was just incredibly nervous, and I wanted to uh, to perform. And looking back. It's really insane to think how much trust they had in me to perform what they asked me to perform, considering I had zero experience on television. I had less than a year of wrestling. Uh, and we're doing this angle never seen, ever, ever, ever seen. So there was no template. Do you know what I'm saying? There was no template to follow. Uh, we were literally just flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, not literally figuratively flying by the seat of our pants, uh, trying to, like, 
come up with this on the fly, really. And, uh, you know, looking back, I have a greater appreciation for it now, looking back, because, you know, when you're in the middle of the hurricane, uh, you can't really appreciate how powerful it is, you know, uh, until, until you see the construction or uh, some years later. And for me, it's the same thing with, with my WWE career and, and sharing time and space with these these wrestling legends, not even wrestling legends, cultural cultural icons, Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, uh, Mystic Man. You know, Mystic Man's the guy I put up there with uh, Walt Disney, Steve Jobs. You know, that type of person because uh, of, of, of the innovation and what he's able to do with, you know, with the industry. Uh, to me, he's nothing short of a genius. And, and to be able to share time and space with, with those guys, man, it was, <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It's going to make a great story in the book. That's for sure. Unbelievable, and like the new school, and you know, because obviously you got all those guys in there, but you know, they pull off your, you know, they pull off your leg, and it's just big shock. But is it true, you know, the the story they say that Piper, you know, he was trying to pull off the wrong leg? I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, the exact story of you know the, the leg being pulled off. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it happened. Uh, I got laid out, and the spot was Piper was going to pull off my prosthetic leg, and we're going to have this awesome moment that. Really, only a talent like Piper could uh, pull off. No pun intended. Uh, but yeah, at first he was grabbing he was, he was grabbing the wrong he was grabbing my real foot. And he was yanking on it really hard. Uh, and so I'm talking to him while we're in the ring while while this is going on. I'm like I'm like Piper, you're grabbing the wrong foot, dude. It's the other it's the other foot, the other leg. And he looked at me, he goes, Oh, sorry, kid. And then he grabbed he grabbed the prosthetic leg and he ripped it off. Uh, if you watch if you watch that segment back, you know it almost makes it look more realistic. You know that he was just out of control and uh, it, it was a moment of chaos. Uh, but you know again, only a talent like Piper could really pull that angle off. And, and uh, you know I certainly have fond memories of of the man and the talent. You know, uh, uh, and I'm so grateful that I was able to kind of have that moment with them. You know, in the ring. So cool, and it, it does definitely add to the Piper character because he's unpredictable. He's crazy. You never know what he's going to do. So it does make it seem like, oh, it's just chaotic. You know, Piper's just doing, you know, whatever he wants in the ring. So it, it did actually, you know, kind of make sense. That, you know, you're watching it back. Like, oh, he's pulling the wrong leg. But, you know, he doesn't know. He's crazy. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, the whole thing was I was a, a quote-unquote fan, and I attacked him. <laughs> I jumped the guardrail, and I attacked him. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I definitely added to the chaos for sure. That's great. And then eventually, which is even cooler, you kind of become Hulk Hogan's, you know, man, uh, manager, so to speak, or like his second to the ring. You know, you, you got O'Hare on one side, then you got Piper versus Hogan, who's Mr. America, and then you're as the manager. How cool was that? You know, being you know associated with Hulk Hogan in that kind of way. It was insane. Because, I mean, here's a guy, you, you got to think, guys like Piper and Hogan and Vince, I mean, these guys were basically my father. They were, uh, they gave me direction. They were in my life as male role models for me growing up. Uh, and they were larger than life superheroes. I never got into Superman or Batman. I didn't read comic books. My superheroes uh, or spandex, and they were on my television set every Saturday morning. Uh, and so to kind of to, 
be a 19 or 20 year old kid and and cutting promos and interacting with Hulk Hogan backstage uh, was truly, truly mind blowing for me. And uh, again, something that I have such a great appreciation for, uh, especially now looking back. That was really cool. And then another cool moment, obviously, Vince, you know, he's playing up the storyline with you, and you're kind of uh, with Stephanie McMahon. She's kind of like your manager, or, you know, she's just basically backing you. And he basically backs you guys into a corner, you know, and makes some handicapped jokes and all this other stuff, you know, uh, akin to the Vince character. And it's you and Stephanie versus the big show. What are your thoughts of being, you know, in the ring with Big Show, and then afterwards, you basically, you know, you get the win. You pin the Big Show. Yeah, and, and looking back, I, I think that's, and that's a moment I share with kids when I speak to them in high schools uh, as the biggest moment of, of my WWE career uh, because uh, because that was my first official match. So that, so that was my first match on television. It was in the main event of SmackDown, um, and there was such a great moment after it was over from the from the ovation that the uh, the fans gave me. Um, it really it really hit home how much of an impact my story had on people and how how much they were connecting to it. Because that up until that point, uh, I was just kind of like doing my I felt like I was just doing my job and. Uh, it was great and all, but at that moment I realized like how cool uh, it really put things into perspective. You know how great spot uh, I was in and how great that moment was, uh, and it really uh, it really had a profound impact on me. Pretty crazy, you know. You're you're you know basically not even in the wrestling business that long. You're you're you know main eventing SmackDown. You're you're involved with Hogan and and Piper and Vince. And then you're pinning the big show. I mean, you're kind of, you know, on top of the world there. But were the boys in the back kind of, you know, uh, you know, getting heat put on you for maybe unnecessarily? They were maybe, maybe perhaps a little jealous at this point. No, there, there was no jealousy there, um, because I wasn't taking anybody's spot. So there wasn't like another one-legged guy that was in the business longer than I was. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, thank you very much. Yeah, everyone was really encouraging for me, um, and they uh, and they helped me out a ton. Where, where the where the uh, where the, the heat came from was I wasn't conducting myself um, as a uh, WWE superstar. Meaning, I mean, there are there are guys now, and again, I have an appreciation for it. Uh, but there, you know, you know, there were guys that were in the business 15 years, dedicated their whole lives to this business had families at home, had wives at home, and, and took this business uh, very seriously, as they should. It's me, me, I came in as a 20-year-old kid uh, who was just really a fan, more so than a wrestler. Uh, and so I didn't have the, uh, I didn't understand the gravity of kind of the gift that was being handed to me. And, uh, and I think some of the wrestlers resented the fact that I wasn't, handling the gift as well as I should have been. Uh, and so, so I mean, that's understandable. Uh, but but it wasn't because of they were jealous that I was put in the position uh, at the top of the card or I was working with Hogan when they should have been working with Hogan or anything like that. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of, of me not conducting myself in a great way. And because you have to understand, this is 2003. 
we're coming off of the uh, off the biggest boom in the in, in, in the history of the industry, right? So houses were down, uh, money was down, and so and then you have a kid come in acting the way I acted, and I wasn't well received. Um, so there was there's a lot of moving parts to go into that, but it wasn't because uh, I was taking somebody's spot or anything like that. Totally understandable. I get that. And um, kind of moving down the timeline just a little bit, you were uh, thrust into this big feud with Vince. You guys have a big blow-off match at the Vengeance pay-per-view. What was it like with that match with Vince? Because I remember you cut him open, I guess, the hard way. Was there any issues, you know, with that match? Was he mad at you? And, and how do you think that match went? Uh, I thought the match was fine. I would have changed the ending. Um, I know the ending was a little anticlimactic. Looking back, uh, the blood stuff was yeah, that was that was that was not planned for him. Uh, but Vince didn't mind because he's a maniac and it added to the uh, drama of the match. And uh, yeah, I thought it was great. It was, I mean, I, I'm one of the, you know maybe six or seven people that wrestled Vince one on one, and then certainly an elite class to be in. I'm certainly the sore thumb if you look at that list, but uh, uh, but a victory is a victory. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but yeah, looking look, looking back, it's really surreal to see how much trust they put in me uh, as a as an unproven talent with a story never been told before. Um, and I don't think with the investors they have and how produced uh, how produced the television is now, I don't think they'll ever do something like, like that again. Uh, so it feels really neat to be part of history, you know. Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, obviously, I mean, you had some great matches with some, uh, you know, some great veterans like Nunzio and Tajiri, but you mentioned him before, you know, you got to wrestle John Cena. Did you ever, you know, at that point look at him and say, man, this guy, you know, I'm wrestling him now, but he's going to be the future of the company? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, people knew. Uh, John's one of those guys that when he walks into a room, everyone kind of turns and notices, you know, who it is uh, based on his personality and his physical presence. Um, so, I mean, I mean and uh, in terms of uh, his wrestling ability, he was super raw uh, at that point, but people understood that he had that X factor, that ability to connect with the crowd um, and to get people kind of on his side or against them, you know, and that's the best quality you can have for us to. So, so, I mean, we all knew it was kind of understood that John was going to be the man. Uh, we just didn't, I don't think anyone really knew uh, that he was going to be as successful and as hot as he, uh, as he is and he has been, you know. Uh, he's, to me, he's the greatest of all time. I'd love to go on record and say that because if you think about it, there is no one in the history of the business from all Hogan uh Steve Austin to The Rock that had the kind of run that John Cena's having. He's been the number one guy since, what, 2005, 2006, maybe? Um, and so that's over over 10 years of him just being completely on top in an age where he's on television at least twice a week, promos, matches, on the road all the time. Everything he does is make a wish uh, and all, all of the press interviews he does. It, to me, it, it's, it's he's an anomaly, an anomaly, uh, pardon me, and uh, he's absolutely second to none. Uh, I think he's absolutely amazing, and I think he's a great 
Now, there's another huge name that you kind of had, you know, had a brief feud with as well. You know, we're talking about John Cena, but obviously he's one of their top draws right now, and that's Brock Lesnar. You guys had a bit of a feud, and I, you know, distinctly remember uh, him tossing you around, throwing you down some stairs, throwing you up against the post. What was Brock Lesnar like then? I mean, he was just a pure, you know, pure animal, just pure power. He was. He really was. Uh, it was weird. It, it was a weird experience being on his shoulders as he hoisted my uh, my tiny frame up for an F5 at the ring post. Not only once, twice. Uh, it felt like I was on the back of a horse. You know, uh, it didn't feel human. And Big Show told me once, and Big Show's been in the ring with everybody. Big Show told me that... Uh, Brock Lesnar is the strongest guy he's ever been in the ring, but I absolutely believe that. Because, uh, it, he, he really felt inhuman uh, being in the ring with them. But to his credit, he never put me in, in any danger. Uh, he never hurt me. He always took care of me. And uh, I like to think there's a little bit of gratitude on his part uh, in me helping kind of his career out and at a time where they wanted him to turn heel, uh, but he was still getting babyface reactions, you know, from the crowd. Um, and it wasn't until we kind of did our thing that the crowd really turned on him. So I, I think uh, I think he's grateful for me for me giving my body to him to allow him to, you know, uh, do business. Absolutely, because uh, they were definitely trying to turn him back heel at that point. And they were having, obviously, they were having problems doing that. But then, you know, enter you, and he throws you down a place there. And, you know, obviously, you were the sympathetic uh, character. And, boy, did that change. And he definitely became, you know, a bit of a top heel after that. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the whole point of, of kind of doing that. And I'm glad that I was in a position to be able to help him, you know. Uh, and, and for me, that's, like, the moment with the big show was the most memorable, I think, uh, for me. Uh, but I get the most satisfaction out of being able to help Brock. Absolutely. And another few that was kind of interesting for the, back then, it was kind of brief, but I, I actually liked it because of uh, his character then was very different than everyone else. That was uh, when Matt Hardy was a heel and he, you know, he had Shannon Moore as kind of like his follower. I kind of liked that too. Did you, uh, you know, you have fond memories of you with Matt Hardy? Oh, yeah, man. Matt, out of all the guys at WWE, Matt is the guy who wrestled the most. Uh, we wrestled on most of the house shows when I was on the road, and he taught me a lot in terms of in-ring stuff. Uh, Matt is super talented, and I have nothing awesome to say, awesome thing to say about Matt. Uh, I think he's, he's a Hall of Fame talent for sure. Uh, and that was interesting, too, because... He was trying new things with his character, uh, kind of stepping out on his own, you know, away from the Hardy Boy tag team, um, and he had a lot to work with. I love that that B1 character. Um, it's a great promos, and it was just a great. There's <laughs> a lot of effort for Shannon with him. Uh, I thought the whole the whole act was was fantastic. It was such a great way to transition from the Hardy Boys uh, to to kind of standing on his own two feet, you know. Uh, so I, I'm grateful I was, I was able to be a small part of, of this success, you know, but uh, to be able to, to wrestle Matt, well, I think he's one of the most underrated guys of all time. and certainly a big inspiration for me in terms of me wanting to become a professional wrestler. You know, the Hardy Boys are really high on that list. 
Um, so that that was great to hear some time experience from him and to uh and to learn from you know, what what's the best, man, what worked for him. Absolutely, and that, that gimmick was cool, very different, definitely had a, you know, ahead of his time a little bit because uh, you, know, you see kind of, not copycats now, but you see a lot of people trying to do like uh, similar gimmicks, but he was kind of the first one to really kind of be, uh, you know, the version one thing was very different and very cool. But with you, well, you know, you had... That's a, that's a testament to, uh, sorry to cut you off, but that's a testament oh, to his talent, and, and you see him reinvent himself every couple of years now on the indie circuit, man, in Ring of Honor, and now this run in TNA is really great. Uh, you know, here's a guy who who uh, started wrestling in what 92, 91 mm. in the backyard or something as a kid, and he parlayed that into a Hall of Fame career, man. Uh, so I love stories like that. And I, I love stories of guys who have a love, passion uh, for the business, uh, who continue, who don't rest on their laurels, uh, and continue to reinvent themselves, and continue to to really entertain and connect with crowds. Uh, of all different ages and all different levels, and I think it's awesome. Absolutely, and uh, I was just going to mention, you know, after Matt, and you know, you you had an injury, I believe, and then you know, it kind of led to your release. But what was the injury, and then you know, how did you go about getting released? Was that just from Johnny Ace, basically, you know, releasing you? Yep, I uh, I got knocked out in a match with Tajiri. That was my last match, and uh, they sent me home. Uh, because I had a concussion, and they, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really, I got fired because of my own conduct, you know, it's looking back, and I can laugh about it, uh, I'm really grateful that at the point I can laugh about it, because there was a lot of pain for a long time, you know, about being fired, by a job, um, and it wasn't really until I lived, I, I've been able to live my, uh, dream life now, so looking back, I can really talk about it with much clarity or perspective, you know. But uh, so, so I get knocked out and I get a concussion, and they send me home, and they and they send me to a to a doctor, and they say, "All right, Zach, when you're cleared, you concussion, give us a call, and we'll go." And so they send me home. I was living in Louisville at the time, as I alluded to earlier, and then I met a girl. Now, when you're uh, 20 years old and you meet a girl uh, and you fall in love, uh, that becomes your priority. I don't care what job you have. I don't care. You know, that's emotionally where my maturity level was at the time. And so I met a girl. I get cleared uh, uh, under my concussion protocol. I get cleared. I call Johnny Ace, and Johnny Ace says, all right, Zach, well, now that you're clear, go back to Louisville, train in OPW, and uh, we'll figure out what to do with you from, from, from here on out, you know. And I said, well, listen, uh, I met a girl, and so I prefer to stay in Detroit, and I'll train at Troops Wrestling School, and I'll make sure I stay sharp. When you have something for me, give me a call. <laughs> That's what I told Johnny. I go, when you have something for me, give me a call. <laughs> and, uh, he said, and he said, okay. And uh, next time he calls, he fired me. But, <laughs> but so it all kind of makes sense. But that's that's kind of how it went down towards the end. What, what was your overall take on uh, on Johnny Ace, though? You know, from start to finish, and you know, everybody's got their own. You know, either they do the impression of him, or they've got their own unique uh, 
runnings in with him, and he treated them either uh, completely like, you know, sort of like dirt or gave him a little bit of time a day and then uh, pretended like he didn't know them when they needed him. But what was your uh, relationship like with Johnny Ace during your run? I, I had a great relationship with Johnny Ace. There was no, no, Ill feelings, no ill feelings or weirdness there at all. He always called me up, and he was always interested in helping me out. Uh, because the better I did, the better the company did in terms of business and morale with, with the locker room. So he was always trying to like come up with solutions or, or put me in a position that kind of helped myself. But the, but the, the thing is, I wasn't able to kind of complete the mission, you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the opportunities that he gave me. Um, but there was, yeah, there was never he, he, he's not, he's not a bumbling buffoon that just kind of portrayed to be. Uh, or at least not my experience, you know. He's he's a he's a great guy. Uh, he's the one who gave me my job there, uh, and uh, you know I'll, I'll never have a bad thing to say about him. Yeah, and that's great to hear because you know he did keep his job for quite a long time, so he had to have been doing something right uh, in that position. Yeah, he can't he can't be a dumbass and hold on to a job like that. And he was before that he was the Finnish guy for all Japan, right? Um, and before that, he's in WCW, he worked in the office. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you say, say what you want about him, but the guy is very business savvy. Uh, he's been able to keep himself gainfully employed for a long time, which is a lot more than I can say for myself. <laughs> so, I can't, so there's nothing I can say about him, man. I, I like Johnny Ace. We've always had good interaction. Now, that's great to hear. But, you know, one thing that you said that actually that caught my attention as well was talking about concussions and you know, of course, it's such a hot-button topic these days in the concussion protocol and the testing and everything that they do now. But do you think, uh, you know, it sounds like you had a pretty good grasp on, uh, you know, your condition with concussions, but uh, what's your take on the concussion protocol that pretty much uh, not only wrestling but all sports has adapted, you know, in 2015? It's completely different than what it used to be, isn't it? Um, I mean, I... It's so weird to look back, like, at old Raws and old SmackDowns and see, like, the plethora of unprotected chair shots and, and all of the stuff that you never see now. Uh, so they, 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 I mean, with knowledge, you know, with the information uh, that's been coming out over the years, they, they're really able to adjust and adapt their style to keep the talent healthy. Um, because, uh, I mean, what, what you got to ask yourself, what's in it for WWE? to have their guys hurt. Uh, nothing but bad news, right? Uh, so they want to keep their guys healthy because they want to keep on the road so they keep making the company money. Um, and so it's a, it's a win-win-win all the way around. Um, and they're really taking steps to take care of their guys now. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's for the best, you know, I, I really do. Yeah, and you look at the old clips, like you said, and you see, you know, the chairman himself, Obviously, we already uh, covered that, you know, taking those shots where, you know, he was uh, taking some pretty unprotected chair shots himself. So, you know, there's a lot of former stars that take the stance of, well, you know, I was put in that position to take chair shots directly to the head. And you see the chairman doing so, but do you think there's still an element of that somewhere that people will take those shots if it means getting noticed uh, because it's so taboo now at this point to take a direct blow to the head? No, because it's it's not going to get you noticed. That's the whole thing. Like you, you may become uh, a viral hit on YouTube, and uh, Tosh, Daniel Tosh, might make fun of you. Uh, 
so that's as far as it goes. WWE's not going to hire anybody off of, in fact, they're going to be deterred from hiring you uh, if that's what you're known for, you know. Uh, so it is So it, it is. It is kind of startling and drastic to see uh, because you don't see it very often. Uh, but, yeah, but that, that's certainly, if, that, if that's your way of getting noticed, uh, then you're a dumbass bastard. And you should probably find a new line of work because uh, anybody anybody with two brain cells to rub together can see that 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 direction uh, that's not the direction WWE is heading, nor, nor do they want to head. Um, so so the whole idea is to stay ahead of the curve and present something to WWE and act an angle, uh, a character that will make them money, um, that will that will get you noticed and. Uh, Taking chair shots to the head is not going to do it. It worked. It worked for Foley, you know. It worked for Foley back in the eighties and early nineties because he was the only one doing it on American soil, so he stood out. Um, but now uh, they they want to move away from that, especially after all the tragedies the past ten years or so. Uh, they want to move away from from all of that uh, and the concussion stuff, and that's not a way to get a job. But if that's what you want to do, then I say knock yourself out, literally, because, uh, uh, because yeah, if you, if you want to, if you want to do that, you know, at, at, at indie shows and all that, that's, that's your business. I'm not here to tell you what to do, what not to do. Uh, I can only share my experience, you know, uh, and in my experience, that's a, a terrible way to get noticed by the community. But if that's what you want to do, and that gets you, brings you somehow brings you fulfillment and gratification in your life. Now, um, jumping ahead just a little bit here, because, you know, post-WWE, obviously, you know, you ended up in TNA, uh, like, about a year or so later for a little bit. Did you ever have intentions of staying with TNA and signing with them long-term? Yeah, I wanted to. (laughs) The problem is I shot myself in the foot. Um, Uh. (laughs) uh, No, I, I... the thing is, after I was released from WWE, I was super bitter and angry, and uh, I wasn't taking care of myself, and I was kind of circling the drain in terms of uh, drug addiction and alcoholism and, and just sabotaging my own life and career. You know, my own life, really, my career, of course, is a part of that. Um, and I think TNA had interest in, in using me longer, too, um, but I just wasn't in the condition of state. Uh, to be relied upon, so to speak, uh, for any long-term uh, commitment. So, so, yeah, so I, I, I had opportunities to DNA. I had opportunities in uh, all Japan, um, Europe, all over the place. And, uh, and but I was never in one place too long. <laughs> I always, uh, I always uh, overstate my welcome fairly quickly. <laughs> And you even made a stop, which was kind of cool, almost like a full circle kind of thing, with Ring of Honor, because you made a little appearance with the House of Truth. Yeah, man. Well, that's great, man. Uh, I did I did some things for them years ago with Jimmy Jacobs and The Age of the Fall uh, with Tyler Black and Necro. And, and to me, that was just a great gang. Joy, Joy Mercury, um, just, a, just an awesome uh, gang of wrestlers, man. Uh, and there's a reason why Jimmy Jacobs is in the position he is not, he, he is in now. Uh, the Duke's always been a creative uh, force within the uh, confines of professional wrestling. But 
Um, but yeah, I, I had some really cool opportunities to bring event, uh, Ring of Honor. I was able to work for Truth uh, a little bit, and uh, which I'm always open to. You know, um, I think uh, I think they have a great product, uh, and I think they have great exposure. And I, I love what they're doing now, man, because because the, the, the state of the business is so healthy, and it's such a different look than it's ever, you know. Uh, than we've ever seen before because there's so much access to any kind of wrestling that you want. Um, and so what that does is that puts pressure on these companies to be better. Uh, and so that's what that's what we're seeing, man. We're seeing WWE uh, be better. We're seeing DNA better. Ring of Honor on Destination America. Uh, they're pushing the envelope. New Japan and their TV deal uh, in America plus they're on the band stuff. You know, it's certainly the hottest promotion in the world. Uh, they're forcing people to be better. Lucha Underground is presenting a whole different view and perspective of professional wrestling, something that, that, that hasn't changed in, you know, 40 or 50 years. They're presenting a whole different deal, uh, and that's awesome. That's forcing companies to be better. So I think we live in a great, great time. Um, and I, I don't remember what the original question was, but uh, but that's my state, that's my state of... Uh, State of the Union address <laughs> on the wrestling industry. I think we're in a great place. We're in a great position. A lot of guys, four guys now, are making a living at wrestling ever before. Um, and it's really encouraging to see, man. The talent really rises to the top. And we live in a, a day and age where uh, the opportunities are there for the talent to rise to the top if they grab it. You know? And that's all you can really ask for is top opportunity. And uh, now there's more opportunity, opportunities than ever. I think it's great. Absolutely, and it almost seems like the indie scene now is crazy. It's almost like the territory days where, you know, you go to North Carolina, boom, they always draw a big house, you know, for a promotion like P, uh, uh, PWX or whatever, or you go to New Jersey for PWS and they draw a big crowd. Have you noticed that with the indie scene? It's almost like the old territory days where each, you know, town or each uh, state is a huge draw. Yeah, the business is healthy again, and that's so cool to see. When I started in the Indies, a good house, if you had 250 people, uh, that was a good house. You know, that was like one of the bigger shows. Uh, And now, like I said, with the access that we have, I I really have to think of technology. You know, you have to look at social media and YouTube, and the ability to reach a wider audience has really helped the the, the business. But, um, yeah, houses are out. And uh, who, who talked, maybe, maybe Rick Rogers, I think, when I was in Louisville, said that, uh, you know the business is good when there are girls in the audience. Uh, and, for, and now you see you see attractive young women in the audience. And because they're, of course, attracted to the product. And then a lot of, like, the, the dudes come to wrestling shows because if there are hot chicks there in the audience, that means like, it's a great place to be. It's a cool place to be. Um, and so, this, it, it, so if you want to if you want to look for a sign of the business being healthy, uh, you'll notice that there are girls in the audience, and I think it's seeing now, and I think it's a great thing. Definitely, and you know, speaking of you know the indie scene and, and drawing big houses and stuff, you are you know been all over the place. You know, you've been a tag champ. You, I mean, in the last ten years, so I mean, you've wrestled everywhere. You know, even for the Juggalos down there. Uh, you know, for prime wrestling, obviously we mentioned PWS, but currently with the Handicap Heroes, you and Gregory Iron 
uh, have a couple tag titles still around your waist. What's it like, you know, teaming, you know, with a fellow quote-unquote uh, hero like Greg Iron? And I didn't know if the wrestling was in my future. Uh, I didn't know if I wanted to keep wrestling. I don't know if, I, if the wrestling was a viable career option at the time due, due to all of the uh, riches I burned, you know, throughout my career. Then I hear, I hear Greg's story on Cabana's uh, podcast about how I inspired him. And then I remembered uh, that the first time I met Greg, I was kind of a dick to him. So I, want, so I wanted to reach out to Greg and just say, you know, thanks for sharing. Thanks for saying kind words about me. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I reached out to Greg, and I apologized for being an asshole to him. Uh, and I said, you know, thanks for uh, saying nice things about me. Because any, any time anybody says nice things about me, it just makes me feel good, you know. Um, and so I wanted to acknowledge that. So I, I reached out to him and I said, thank you. And then this, this uh, idea got implanted into our into our handicapped heads that maybe uh we don't look too far away from each other or both we're both uh marginally talented guys. What if we uh form a tag team, you know? Uh and presenting a tag team act with Greg is something never seen before. Uh and for me it really breathed a ton of life to buy to buy uh barely barely uh barely their career. Um, and so it's allowed us to kind of uh, present our stories in a very unique way. Uh, we've got exposure for him, got exposure for me, and together for some reason we help each other out uh, and we uh, present our stories. Uh, the, the whole is bigger than the sum parts in terms of in terms of our connection with these uh, crowds, you know. Uh, and I'm certainly grateful for that. And in addition to wrestling, we also do motivation speaking. Where we go to schools as a two-man power trip, so to speak, uh, and Thanks. we present our uh, yeah, and we present our stories to the kids uh, together. And so we're we're touching lives uh, all over the place. We also do PDP yoga together. We're mostly with Paige, um, and, uh, and and getting our story out there and, and helping others in the, in the world of fitness that they have never even uh, seen as front, you know. Um, so it's, it's all very exciting, and it's all because, you know, we help each other out, man. Alone I can't, but together we can. That is awesome. And if I could, for the first time ever, I'm going to have to ask for the hot tag to uh, Gregory Irons. If I could and just ask, you know, what kind of inspiration Zach really was in your career and kind of the impact that obviously he made on in your career and he continues to make. Well, um, if it wasn't for Zach, I mean, I wouldn't be uh, talking to you guys right now. I mean, uh, I had always loved wrestling growing up. Uh, huge Hulkamaniac, you know, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 6 was my first exposure to pro wrestling, and uh, it was something I never grew out of, and I always wanted to be a part of it, but I thought because of my disability, it just wasn't possible. So uh, I was going to try to get a degree in communication, maybe try to become like an announcer or a writer or something. Like I, I just knew I wanted to do something with wrestling. It just couldn't be as a wrestler because of my disability. And then I see Zach Allen on SmackDown in 2003, and and I have this uh, epiphany where I'm, I'm just like, you know, if this guy can do it with one leg, maybe I can do it with one good arm. And uh, I started figuring out about independent wrestling, started attending independent wrestling shows in Cleveland, and um, started training, and it just kind of lost there. So it's like, um, I, I, if, if Zach Gowan could lay out the groundwork for a guy like me, 
to figure out how you, I guess, wrestle with the disability and how you get over to be a sympathetic character as a baby face um, and, and, and have kind of a physical affliction. Uh, I don't know if I'd be talking to you guys right now. Zach has been such a positive impact on me, uh, not just professionally, but personally as a friend. Uh, he's always there for me to help out when they can. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, he's just a great guy in general. I'm like, I, I owe him so much of my career. Absolutely, and that is you know, absolutely great. And not only was Zach inspirational, but now, you know, it's kind of coming full circle for him that, you know, you're becoming the inspiration for, you know, for the next generation of wrestlers who didn't think years ago that they could do it, but now they see you and they say, yes, I can become a professional wrestler. Yeah, and I think that's what it's all about. You know, um, I think uh, some guys get into wrestling um, just to say they're a wrestler or to prove people wrong. I know when I got into it, it wasn't about sharing my story. It was about throwing it back at people's faces because I was such like an ancient teenager. I wanted to be like, you know, you say I can't do this, but I'm going to do it. But as time went on, and I started to interact with guys like Zach Dowell on, on shows, and um, I started to figure out the positive connection, both as an individual and as connecting with Zach, that we make these fans, people with disabilities, people without disabilities, um, people who know people with disabilities, people who are just going through some sort of mental challenge in their life that they need to overcome. And I, I began to understand, you know, even though I look in the mirror and I'm just I'm just Greg, you know, or Zach goes home and he's just Zach, and our stories not, might not be anything to us, to other people, um, we have this positive, um, overwhelming effect on their lives. And we, I guess we motivate them to do something positive with things that they're going through. And um, for me, that's uh, that's why I keep doing this. That's what drives me to keep doing it. And and uh, it's really it's really overwhelming to, to even imagine that someone like myself can have like such a positive impact on people. But it's like it's a great feeling. And I, I um, once I learned that that was my purpose at wrestling, um, it, it was just this really cool thing. It wasn't about throwing it back to people's face. About making it this something. I live for that every day. Cool. That is great. I absolutely love, you know, the positivity of both of you guys. And I just, you know, I love that, you know, you can't just stop because, uh, you know, maybe a disability or something, you know, you just keep on keeping on. And uh, hey, you're not going to let that stop your dream of becoming a professional wrestler. Can't let anything stop you. We, we live by three words, endure, inspire, and fight. That's what we're all about, man. You can't quit. When the going gets uh, tough, tough get going. That's the old thing. Absolutely, I love that. And uh, as we wind it down a bit here, you know, I just got to, you know, tag Zach back in because I'm very curious uh, because you wrestled uh, Lesnar. I mean, Big Show, Cena. You mean you're in the ring with Hogan and Piper? Even hell, you even wrestled, you know, Vince McMahon. Do you have a favorite match or maybe matches that you've had in your uh, long career? Uh, the fa- my the most favorite match that I've ever had was a year ago when me and Greg won the PWS tag team title uh, against the Rhino Brothers. And it was such a special moment for me. You know, to talk about all like, the huge names that, that I got to work with, that's incredible. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to share a ring with those guys. Uh, but that was all someone else's idea. 
you know what I mean? That the, the matches were someone else's vision. The promos were someone else's creative idea. It wasn't until I, I started to with Craig and we started coming up with all of these scenarios, these matches, this idea uh, of the handicapped heroes, which is the name of our team. We came up with that on our own. Uh, and saw the beginning bit of that with that. And there was a, such a great moment. Such a powerful connection. The fans, PWS, after one the belts, you know, and it was just like, it was the materialization of all of our hard work, but in, in our vision and our, in our in the creative process behind it, you know, and the validation that kind of came from that, it was just really, really meant a lot. Uh, so I didn't sit down take touch. Bye. That is great. Now, I got to, you know, ask you. Would you and Greg have a, a dream match in mind, like a tag team out there that you would just have to face or would want to face that would always be, you know, like like almost like it not maybe it's not a reality, but it's in it's in a grasp's reach, if you will. It you know, it would basically be a dream match for you guys. I'll give you three teams. Um, number one being the Young Bucks, uh, number two, the Hardy Boys, and number three, RPD and Sabu. <laughs> that would be my the top three uh, dream dream matches. Hey, Young Bucks, uh, that could happen. Hardy Boys, uh, as soon as Jeff gets healthy, that could sure as you know, sure as hell happen. And I know uh, RVD and Sabu, you know, I mean, that could possibly happen in PWS even. Well, maybe not PWS because it's uh, Sabu. You won't maybe not be back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't mention them in the same sentence. That's right. Yeah. There's some weirdness there. I love, uh, I love, I love PWS. I love Sabu. So I'll return comment. Because, uh, frankly, it's none of my business and I don't know the story. Uh, But uh, I do know that me and Greg are wrestling for PWS tomorrow and RBG's wrestling with John. So that's the big main event tomorrow in, in, in Broadway. Uh, so that's going to be a big event, man. We're excited about uh, coming, coming back home and uh, bringing the belts with us, you know. Definitely a good point on Sebu. I actually forgot that whole scenario there. I'm not going to get into it, but I actually forgot that whole thing there. But, uh, you know, who has been, you know, your favorite opponent? I know you mentioned uh, the Reynolds brothers and uh, – you know, you guys like you know working them, but have you had a favorite opponent, guys? that just clicked with you real well. You just continually love to work. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I'd say Truth Martini. Uh, that that he wrestled full time was my favorite guy to work with. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs was a great guy to work with, and uh, amazing Dave Matson, uh, Detroit. Tremendously underrated talent. Great guy to work with. As far as, as, far as the uh, WWE guys, I love uh, working with Matt Hardy. It was an absolute pleasure being there with that guy. That guy's a machine. And uh, he's awesome. And, uh, I, you know, I enjoy all of those guys, but uh, uh, it was a lot of fun to work with Brock, too. Because <laughs> I, 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 I came up a lot of that match with Brock, the one in Angelo's Arena, and I had some ideas for it. And, uh, and so, so it's able to kind of help him turn that corner in terms of being a super, 
shoot the bad guy uh, and to kind of offer my body. That was uh, that was a pretty cool experience. You know, we like to take the last uh, question and kind of spin it in a direction of, you know, uh, legacy on the business or where do you see yourself in five years? And you've really covered, you know, what you do provide in terms of your story to the wrestling business. So I'm saying in terms of a legacy, you're already writing it actively. Uh, The DVD is really going to help spread that message. But where do you see yourself in five years in terms of the wrestling business? And from where you are today, you know, you're traveling to uh, the great PWS show in New Jersey, but where do you see yourself in five years within the business? Uh, I, in five years, I don't see myself wrestling um, on any consistent level. Uh, I'll be 37. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't think I want to be wrestling full-time in five years, uh, but, but wrestling will always be a part of my life because it's my, the greatest love I have in my life and, and how much this business has provided for me and my family. Um, I see myself five years giving back, um, giving back to the industry in terms of uh, maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, maybe wrestling every once in a while uh, for a special event. But uh, but as far as life goes, uh, hopefully I'll be um, speaking full-time, uh, and just and just just sharing my story, man. Maybe in a platform of tiny invented yet. You know, who knows what technology is gonna take us, but uh somehow, somewhere sharing my story, uh hopefully hopefully helping other people and uh enjoying my family. So in five years my son will be will be eight years old. Um and then my unborn child will be five years old. And so I'll have an eight and five year old, possibly born. Maybe I have like nine kids. Well, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be possible mathematically unless I got really busy. <laughs> it was someone, not my wife. Uh, in that case, that my life would be upside down and it's her fault. But uh, anyway, I <laughs> I uh, I see myself being happy and helping other people. Well, that's great to hear. Very nice. And uh, before we let you go, just please tell the uh, the fans and the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling just exactly where they can find the DVD and where they can follow you, your travels, and where they can maybe find you in their town. ZachGowan.com. All right. That sounds good to me. <laughs> but, Zach, it's been awesome. What a great story. Uh, really much luck with the DVD. Uh, it was really nice to talk to both you and to uh, get a little bit of a hot tag there and hear from Greg as well. So thank you, Greg, for coming on and uh, continued success. Hey, thanks, man. Saturday, December 12th, Sports Possessions at the Liberty Center in Westchester, Ohio, brings to you former WWE superstar Kevin Thorne, also known as Mordecai. Come meet the Pale Rider and become a member of the Bike Club just in time for the holidays. That's Saturday, December 12th from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, comes to Sports Possessions at the brand new Liberty Center in Westchester, Ohio. Visit sportspossessions.com for more information or call 513-759-2600. Kevin Thorne is back, and it's time for you to join the Bike Club.
Saturday, December 5th, WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff comes to Collector's World in Annandale, Virginia. For more information, please visit collectorsworldva.com and pricing starts at only $25. That's WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, Saturday, December 5th, 2015 from 11.30 to 12.30 at Collector's World in Annandale, Virginia. Visit collectorsworldva.com for more information because it's going to be absolutely wonderful.